Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. As always, I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Shane Reeves. So, this is the highlight of my day today. Been a little bit of a rough day for me, been kind of moving around. We just got a new puppy, so life is exhausting right now. (laughs) Um, if you've never had a six-week-old lab puppy in your house, I can't describe to you how different it is, how different the feeling is. Or a, or, or a two-year-old baby. It's about the same. Probably pretty close. The only advantage, I can throw the lab in a cage. They won't let me do that with kids, will they? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to get DHS called. But I've looked forward to sitting here and to smoking this cigar today, and I'm ready to light one up. How about you? You know, it's same. I, you know, it's been one of those weeks where you just—it's Wednesday and you're thinking ah, it's—it's got to be Friday, right? Um, <laughs> but it's great getting the opportunity to take some time and just sit down in the middle of the week and just relax, enjoy a good cigar, have some conversation, and just uh, and just whittle the night away. So why don't, uh, as long as we're talking about cigars, why don't you tell me what you're going to smoke tonight? So I'm going to smoke the Marzio. It's from Miami Cigar Company. It's dark smoked tobacco. Now, the only other cigar I know that uses smoked tobacco is the Kentucky Fire Cured. And this is a little lighter than that. It's a dark smoked tobacco, and it has a Tennessee wrapper on it, which the Kentucky Fire Cured are grown about five minutes from the Tennessee border from when we go to the barn smoker. And then they're actually shipped to Nicaragua where they're assembled. They're not rolled here, and then they're shipped back. Is this the same kind of situation where they grow it here but then ship it off to be manufactured, or is it actually rolled here? It doesn't say. I'm going to assume it's assembled. This says Dominican, handmade in the Dominican, so I'm going to assume. And modern labor laws make it really hard for cigar companies to assemble their cigars in the United States. It's such a labor-intensive process that it kind of makes it difficult and all, which... um, the problem being not that labor's dirt cheap in the Dominican or in Nicaragua so much as it's easier to pay them by the stick in the Dominican or the Nicaraguan than it is here in the United States. Well, not only that, but, you know, when the FDA regulations came out a couple of years ago, one of the things that they looked at was, you know, this being a product that you put in your mouth, everything has to be food grade. So if they were going to be manufactured here in the U.S., they'd have to have stainless steel tables and they'd have to use stainless steel knives and they'd have to do all of these things that tradition just doesn't allow for so you know whereas they're actually trying to get their paws on that down in a country that they don't even regulate just because of the product is imported if they were going to try and make it here you'd have to adhere to all of that stuff and that would that would drive the cost up too well and it's interesting because one of the things that pedro sent me was a shivata shivata is the tool they use to roll cigars And he said, do you know what the best Shivatas are made of? I said, I have no idea. He said, old saw blades cut in half and then milled into that shape are actually the best Shivatas. Well, if you think about the heat that's generated by the friction of running a saw blade, it's probably being tempered a little bit. Just through the life of the blade gives it a little bit of character, gives it a little bit of strength. Yeah, I haven't never thought of it that way because, you know, most blades are carbon tipped. So Mm -hmm. 
But before we get too much into the physics of how a saw works, tell me about <laughs> your cigar, Trey. Um, so one of the, I guess the theme of tonight's show is the fact that we're both smoking things that are brand new to the humidor here within the last couple of days. I'm smoking something new from Foundation Cigars, which is called the Tabernacle. Now, being a big fan of the Toro size, I chose this one, which is a 6x52. It's right standard Toro size. It's one of the things that I really am enjoying about this is the fact that I had one the other night, but it was my second or third cigar of the day. So I didn't really get a lot of the complexity out of it that I'm looking for the first time I smoke a cigar. But I know it's not that time of the show, but etiquette tip, if someone gives you a cigar and you don't have one lit, you light it then. You smoke it next, right now. And that was what happened with this cigar. I was gifted one the other night and so I smoked it on a dirty palette. I'm really looking forward to lighting one up on a fresh palette because it's a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, which you just don't see a whole lot of, but it's, it's a wrapper that I honestly can't tell you that I've ever had one I didn't like. Well, and I had one of those last night at the poker game. It's a really different smoke. Um, full does not describe this smoke. I would almost go to ultra full. To me, it's definitely the most full-bodied cigar I have smoked this year. Um, I did not get a lot of complexity from it, but I did get a lot of leather, a lot of the soil, a lot of the earthiness. Um, now, that's a real cigar man cigar is what it comes down to. You better have your seatbelt yeah, on. Yeah, putting some hair on my chest. It <laughs> <laughs> put hair on my tongue. <laughs> Green how, hair. How did it compare with the cheroot? <laughs> well, okay, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but... I've got to smoke a second one because I smoked it while I was playing poker. I smoked it a little before the game, and then I smoked it while I was playing poker, and I don't know that I got the full benefit of the cigar because I was distracted doing something else with it. So definitely going to have to take time to smoke another one of those, and I'm interested as the night goes on to kind of get your feelings on that cigar and how how that feels, how it's feeling out for you. Yeah, I mean, it's and, – and you pull double duty when you when, – at our poker game here where you're dealing and you're doing – you pretty much are the – I can imagine it, your cigar's going to go out. You're going to have to relight it a bunch of times. I, I wouldn't think that that would be the best arena for a first taste. Yeah, it's not. I usually refrain. I usually – my poker cigar is usually an old standard, an undercrown shade, or something that I – anything from the Don Pepin factory – usually something that I know is going to be good and that I know is going to stay good. It's I, Here's how I compare it. Do you know why the old adage of cops eating donuts is actually true? No. Because police officers need a food that they can keep in their car that is not going to taste disgusting if they get called off of a call and have to go away for a few minutes. They need that utility food, and that's kind of how I view a lot of cigars when I'm playing poker. <laughs> And all uh, Don Pepines are the donut of the cigar industry. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> that's right. But that's really how I how I view those cigars, and I break that rule occasionally, and I never fail to regret it. Yeah. When I'm talking about it. So, what's your first initial estimate in, of the foundation? Well, or tabernacle the, by foundation. The the first draw is really it's. Harsh is the wrong word because that sounds like a bad thing, but I actually enjoy that about it. I'm not getting a whole, it, it's, I'm tasting the strength. And, you know, when we had 
Pedro Gonzalez on the show, he talked about the fact that full-bodied and full-flavored are two very different things. And how a lot of times you get a full-bodied cigar, but it doesn't taste like anything. Or you can have a light-bodied cigar that ta- that has really complex and beautiful flavors. This is different. I'm actually, I can taste the strength of the cigar. And I'm really enjoying that. It, it kind of reminds, there's a, it, it's more of a tickle than a burn. But it's, if anyone who's ever smoked a pipe knows that tongue bite sensation where you smoke it and it gets real hot. And it's almost that, but it's, I'm really liking that aspect of it. I'm not getting a whole lot. Uh, I just lit it up, so I'm not getting a whole lot of the flavor from it. But after I get about an inch or two in, I'll, I'll definitely uh, definitely let you know what I'm getting out of it. Well, and there is a benefit to a cigar that opens up by just kicking you in the teeth. I mean, just right off the bat you know you've got a hold of something here that's really going to, you know, take you for a ride tonight. The original Camacho Triple Maduro is one of those for me. I remember when those first came out and they were in the pyramid box. That was one of those cigars that you lit it up and you better hang on. Yeah, the um, CAO MX2, Maduro Times 2, was oh, the same yes. way for me. Now, that was in the infancy of my cigar smoking, so things hit me a little harder then than they do now. So... Have we talked about the cigar that put you on your butt on the show before? I don't think so. Do you have one in mind? Do you have that that cigar that you remember for just knocking you down? Um, not really. Is not as much. But what what was yours? Okay. Um, this was back in back in my college days when I was making the trip back and forth from Tennessee to Texas and. I was listening, I was driving back home for spring break, I think it was, and Cigar Dave was on satellite radio, and I was listening to him the whole way, and he was talking about this brand new cigar that Ashton had just come out with called the VSG. And at this point, I'd probably only been smoking cigars for about a year or so, and was mostly smoking Don Tomas before they were bought by General, and I don't even know, they may have actually discontinued that brand. I haven't seen them in ages. So I was mostly smoking Connecticut and lighter cigars. Not, didn't really know, because of the humidor that I was a, a, a regular at at that point, I didn't really get into the, the different wrappers and the different blends yet. I was really in my infancy as a smoker, and so I didn't know that there was a cigar that was going to hurt me. So I'm driving through Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I'm about two hours from home, and I stop and I get a, uh, a Gurkha Beast, the original Gurkha Beast, when it was really, really good. And I got, um, and I got that VSG. And so the next night I'm out in my car. I had a turbocharged Miata at the time. And so I was out on back roads, windy, hilly, Tennessee country roads and smoking this VSG. And with the top down, it was wonderful. I get back to the house. I go to sit on the patio to finish it. And I go, oh no. My knees buckled, flop, sweat. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I turned, tailed, and ran directly for the bushes. <laughs> well, now, see, that's a different distinction. The last cigar I had that actually made me sick, that actually hurt my, hurt my um, constitution, was one of the later Casa Magna Colorado Robustos. When those first came out, when they won Cigar of the Year, I loved them. But the last one I got did that. And, you know, it's been five years now, and I have not been able to make myself smoke another one since. (laughs) So I'm not sure what it is, but it just turned me off to that cigar, which is really sad because I loved that cigar. Yeah. 
But I think it's a situation, we've talked about it on the show before, where they started trying to produce them too quick, trying to get the supply up to the demand. You get that little bit of an ammonia taste with it that that really just kind of upsets. Yeah, I hadn't quite had a chance to age out of it, but there is something to be said now as a more veteran cigar smoker to find one that really just fills up all of your senses. And that's going to be... I've noticed that's getting tougher and tougher here at Crown, where, you know, Austin's doing a great job of bringing in a bunch of different new cigars. Honestly, I don't even know where he's putting all of it. It's gotten to where now when I walk in that humidor, I don't I don't take the same... I usually walk in, I take the same route. I know all the cigars that I like. I just look for my Tennessee Waltz or for the Don Pepin or whatever. And now there's so much great stuff coming in and coming out that I'm actually having to take stock and... and look for what I want to smoke and actually think about it now because it's not as easy as it used to be. Well, and being on the podcast has kind of forced me to expand my horizons. You know, I was never a Don Pepin guy, and you got me started on the blue, and then I've smoked now the Cuban Classic, which is the black, and really been enjoying that more peppery, more Don Pepin factory-type flavor. And it's amazing when you... Like, that's a cigar that you walked by the humidor for years before you ever even smoked it and just didn't notice it. Illusionia was that for me. I can't tell you the countless times that I've walked into a, a humidor that I've never been in before and just missed it because I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. I wasn't really, I, I wasn't on the scavenger hunt that I should have been. Well, and I said it last week, it's kind of you walk into the humidor some nights and it's like all the lights dim and a single ray of light shines on the box of the cigar that you want that night. <laughs> the wand chooses the wizard kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. it all. It's Some nights it's like that, but some nights you got to hunt for it. Some nights it's a little more adventure that my inner caveman hunter gatherer comes out. You know, and I went through that last night here where I, I walked in and I didn't really, I'd already been smoking my pipe, so I didn't really have much of a, I didn't have a clean palate at all, and I didn't have any idea of what I wanted to smoke, and so I just ended up wandering aimlessly, and I ended up uh, I think it's also, Foundation is a, the Chartered Oak, uh-huh. which, for the price point, uh, more on that later, um, <laughs> was a really fantastic cigar. And it was just by taking time to just stop and kind of look around and look for stuff that I hadn't seen before that I was able to uncover a really great smoke. Well, you know, I picked up a Charter Oak last night, and Austin said, no, you ought to try this found- this Tabernacle. I don't know why I keep wanting to call the Tabernacle Foundation, but he <laughs> said, you really ought to try this Tabernacle cigar. And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot, because... Jonathan, who we had on the show, has probably smoked two or three boxes of those since they came out. Oh, is that right? It, it suits his palate to a T. It's really the cigar he loves. But tonight I did pick up a Charter Oak, and before the show I smoked a little bit of it, just hanging out here with the guys, waiting on you to get off work, things like that. And yeah, some of us have to pay the bill, Shane. Come on now. Well, you know, that's life. <laughs> if, I ever have to get a, if, if work ever gets in the way of my cigar smoking, I'm quitting work. So... <laughs> You need but, an apprentice? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. But the um, Charter Oak, to me, was better to me than the Tabernacle. I'm actually looking forward to after the show, I'll probably sit down and finish that cigar before I go back home to face 16 pounds of fur and fang. He is 16 pounds already? He's seven weeks old, and he's 16 pounds. He's a black lab puppy, and he is a beast. He's going to be up close to 100 pounds, huh? 
Yeah, it's it's strange. Okay, so we're gonna step away from cigars for a second because I do want to talk about this. Is this is I don't want this just to be a podcast about cigars. I want to talk about life. And all my life, I've raised golden retrievers. Well, golden retrievers perceive the world through their nose. And I, when I bought this puppy, I said, okay, I'm going to train him just like I train a golden retriever. Well, Labradors perceive the world through their mouth. <laughs> if it doesn't fit in his mouth, it doesn't exist. And right now, his teeth are just razor sharp, those little puppy teeth. Oh, I have scars from puppy age teeth. Yeah, and it's just, um, it's been, you know, they say no battle plan survives the initial contact with the enemy, and they're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I had all these great ideals of how to train him and how to do, and I Sunday morning, we got him Friday night, Sunday morning, I'm watching YouTube videos on training puppies, because apparently everything I knew was false. Yeah. <laughs> but now he's a good dog. He does what I tell him. He's learned no, he's learning, he's working on fetching. Housebreaking has been no trouble at all. Really? Oh, totally. Kennel train them. If you're oh, yeah. if you're out there, kennel train them. He's my first kennel trainee, and I'll never do it another way. I'll tell you what. My dog's four, and he we crate trained him from the day we brought him home, and to this day he sees me put my shoes on, and he walks to the front door because he knows that's when we're going to go for our walk. And then as soon as we walk back in the door, I take the leash off, and he walks in his crate and sits and waits for me to shut the door. That's where he wants to be. Well, it's important for a dog to have a place to take time off, to not necessarily have to be on the job all the time. Just like you and I like to come here and sit down and smoke a cigar and not have to worry about paying the mortgage. Squirrels. (laughs) Squirrels squirrels a big problem around your house? (laughs) Okay. But anyway, just so we don't have to worry about that sort of thing, dogs like to have that area too. And for them, it is that kennel area. But... So coming back to cigars, so I'm in deep into this Marzio here, and um, it's really got a, a different kind of flavor to it. I've been deep into Marzio before. It's okay. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And uh, Marzio is all... I was looking before the show at Marzio, Googling it, and just seeing if i seen any information that I didn't know about it. it turns out Marzio is also an Italian fashion designer. Oh, so, but anyway, I'm deep into it. If you smoke the Kentucky Fire Cured and you felt like it was too strong, this is the cigar you need to go to. Strong from a cigar standpoint or from a black fire tobacco standpoint? Strong from an aromatic standpoint. Okay, yeah. If you felt like the KFC was just a little too aromatic for your palate, that it is a little too much like smoking pipe tobacco, this is a lot more subdued. You get hints of that, but you're sitting across from me. You know, the other night. I was just about to say that. You know, I when you smoke a KFC in front of me, I can smell it more than I can smell my own cigar. I like that cigar, so it doesn't bother me. This one, I don't, I don't notice that. Now, it could be the fact that I'm just being blown out of the water by the tabernacle over here, and I'm not going to be able to smell anything for the rest of the night. But it's, it, it's also, yeah, it's definitely less on the aromatic side. Yeah, it's just a little softer. It's a Tennessee wrapper, which I like. It's a little different smoke. Um, Miami Cigars, I don't smoke a lot of their product, but I don't think I think I don't smoke a lot of their product because it's not as prevalent around here in shops as it is, you know, if you were further south. And they don't do a whole lot of the bigger ring gauge stuff either. So that kind of takes it out of your scope or your vision, I would think, a little bit. Yeah, this one's about a six by I would say forty two. Somewhere in there. 
um, I need to get me one of those little credit cards. Have you seen them that oh, have yeah, the ring gauge the, yeah. in them? I need to get one of those so that I can look all scientific and gauge my cigars every time I come in here. <laughs> but or is that is that scientific or pompous? Which way does that yes. work? Yes, it's pompously <laughs> scientific. <laughs> well, science has a little pompousness to it. But I really enjoyed this cigar. That's how um, Neil deGrasse Tyson has a career. <laughs> that, okay, that's a deep, deep cut reference-wise. <laughs> hey, as long as one person got it, I'm happy. <laughs> if you only make one person laugh, you're doing better than Howie Mandel. So, <laughs> but moving, moving forward in that, now we're coming up on a break time here and smoking these cigars, getting these new flavors and new aromas. It's just an exciting, this is an exciting night for me to be a cigar smoker, I guess. I've, I don't know, I'm just feeling a good energy about having that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let's capitalize on the energy, take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Hello, this is Jonathan Brennan, and I'm going to give you a cigar etiquette tip of the week. Um, don't spit in the ashtrays. Um, that, that's one of the uh, etiquette things that uh, we really, that people really need to work on. Sometimes um, they're for butts, bands, and ashes, and that's all that needs to go in there. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm Shane Reeves, one of your hosts. Still here with Trey. Welcome back, everybody. And we're sitting here, we're smoking some new cigars tonight. We're smoking some new stuff to the humidor. We're recording live here at Crown Ale and Cigars. Crown Cigars and Ales. Yeah, he won't mind if you get it backwards. Yeah, it's, (laughs) hey, come to Brentwood, come to this shop. (laughs) That's the main goal. But we're smoking some new cigars. Um, We've talked at length about our cigars. I had an interesting experience last night that I want to share with you, Trey. All righty. So I was sitting at the poker table, and we have one of our new players has come in. Um, This was only his third week here playing. Uh, Big sci-fi guy. Fairly fairly interesting comic book sci-fi guy. Kind of a different... um, I don't tend to see that many sci-fi guys in cigar shops. Yeah, they go to comic book shops. <laughs> They've got their own h- holes in the wall. I guess so, but the sci-fi guys are welcome in our poker game always. But he was asking me. Oh, I think I ended up having a conversation with this because I, I came late, so I was sitting outside. And Austin and I were talking about... Sorry, I totally stole your story. That's okay. Um, Austin and I were standing there talking about how bad DC movies tend to be. And this guy was walking out to his car and then just stopped and turned around and just just laid into the conversation with more detail than either either Austin or I had. So I'm guessing that's probably who this was. That was Hunter. But we, um, he and I were talking and he said, hey, I'm just getting into cigars. I'm looking for a humidor. And he started showing me these ones he had found. And one of the ones he had found come full of cigars come of like 25 cigars and half of them were Macanudos half of them were um, American brand Cohibas and all kind of a a general cigar thing and I said well here's the thing those aren't bad cigars but if they're putting that many of them with the humidor for that price either you're getting a bad humidor or you're not getting top quality cigars or both you know, the, um, I guess the best tabletop humidor that I've ever owned has been that Rocky Patel leather one that mm-hmm. I have. That leather has really holds the humidity well. It's kind of, 
it's the top secret humidor. It's where I keep all the really good stuff. That way, if I have friends over, they don't raid my my top <laughs> shelf. Well, now you got a new humidor recently. You've got that big cabinet in the, in the living room. How is how are you liking that? Now that you've had a chance, is it holding its humidity? Which for someone who's as ingrained in the hobby as you are, is that something you'd recommend? It is. The humidification system in it is awesome. Um, I did a little work resealing it. I've talked about I had to cut some plastic tubing in half and make some new seals for each side. So I've done some resealing on it, but it's holding the humidity great. Um, I'm accumulating more cigars than I'm smoking right now because I've had a good couple of weeks at poker. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Last week I came in for a second and my wife came in first, so we took home all the cigars. <laughs> And then this week, I split the pot with another guy. So I'm starting to accumulate a little more. I've always said if I fill up that humidor, I don't think I can go up a size without opening a shop somewhere. <laughs> but, and that does bring up something interesting. That's when you buy, when you build your next house, you just got to build a humidor in. Oh, 100%. I'm just going to go ahead and build a cedar closet and I'll have the humidor built into the house. It's just a lot easier that way on everybody involved. But that does bring us to another interesting topic, Um, lockers, cigar lockers. And uh, what's your view when you go into shop? Because almost all the shops, the true lounges I've been into, have had lockers there for the members to use. To me, it depends on who you are as a cigar smoker. I've been a locker member at a couple of different shops, at Wise Ash down in Atlanta and then at Enfuego Rockwall in Rockwall outside of Dallas. And I really enjoyed being a locker member at both of those shops because at that time, I wasn't smoking very much unless I was at the shop. If that's the way you're going to do it, I think it pays off because you're going in there to smoke, which means you're going to spend money in the shop anyway. And you typically get a per stick discount and a box discount and event discounts. And so if you're smoking with any regularity, you are going to make up the money that you pay on the dues pretty quickly. Uh, just in discount savings and then on top of that you've got a place to store a lighter and a cutter or a bottle of bourbon or or whatever it is that you want Uh, and it gives you a little a little feeling of ownership you know i still you've seen it my my golf jacket that i wear actually is branded wise ash cigars says locker member on the sleeve like you you feel a sense of ownership uh with the shop and and to me i think it's a great way to create as a shop owner, it's a great way to create a cohesive group of regulars, even if they just come and go, but you've got these people with this commonality that can be stewards for your shop even when they're not in it. Well, and from a customer standpoint, it gives you the opportunity to buy a box discount. If you don't have a big humidor mm-hmm. at home, you can buy with a box discount and have just a box of your favorite cigars in your locker. Right, yeah, and it's... And especially if you're in a shop that does a lot of events, you know, I always try and buy a box at an event just to support the shop, to support the rep, and to get all the freebies. Um, And if you're at a shop that does a lot of back-to-back events, you know, every month or so, I'm not necessarily going through a box of cigars a month because I I don't want to just smoke one cigar all the time so i'm going to branch out and so it's nice having that extra space where you can store two three boxes at a time well and the lockers are humidified all these lockers that we're talking about we're actually talking about a humidor Mm -hmm. that just happens to have lockers on it 
Um, I'm going to join, you know, Austin was just re-explaining the new um, cigar locker policy here, and I'm definitely, I told him to go ahead and save me one, because I'm just going to join it for the perks. I still like to walk into the humidor and see what's new. Right. But there are definitely nights that I come in here that I'm kind of tired and kind of wore out, and I just want to grab a cigar and sit down, you know. Your locker, obviously, would be all Tennessee waltz. <laughs> it would be a Tennessee vault. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be super easy for you to get it and all. And I, I do want to keep a good bottle of bourbon here because I don't usually have that. And I'm a rarity. A bottle of bourbon will last me three or four years. I just don't drink <laughs> very much. <laughs> but when I want to share a drink with friends, I like to have really good bourbon. You know, I'm always have a a higher end bottle of bourbon because you know if you spend it out over three years you got a low in low cost on that yeah exactly so um when you go into a cigar shop and it becomes your home shop i think you i think it always behooves you great word behoove it always behooves you to take a few moments and talk to the owner about what the locker policy is sometimes it'll really surprise you I've seen shops where actually you buy the locker and then they give you that much in-store credit. Yeah, that's a policy that's kind of going the way of the Dodo. Uh, I, it was around for a few years, and I don't see many people still doing it that way. I think it's a great business model if you want to get people to actually spend mon- money in your store because you know they're going to have to turn around and spend that, that money in-house. And then once all those cigars are in their locker, they're going to come in, they're going to buy beer, they're going to buy a cigar when they're going to come to events. It's, it's going to create some some homebodiedness, for lack of a better term. Well, and as a business owner, the advantage is, especially in a retail setting, of having a fixed income of, okay, it don't matter what happens this month, I know this much money coming in, can be really advantageous for a business owner. Right. So... Look into the locker program. Our locker program here, Austin was talking about, there'll be some free cigars involved and there'll be some um, other members-only events mm-hmm. and some things like that. Um, so definitely check out, you know, Crown Cigars and Nails is on Facebook and Instagram. You just type in Crown Cigars and Nails and it'll pop right up. And he's going to announce all of his, his new policies and all of his new releases. He's great about posting pictures and stuff of his new releases. It's a great way to kind of see what's going on in the shop. Okay, so now I'm going to lead us a different direction. I'm kind of leading the show all different directions tonight. I'm, I'm a little higher energy, so please bear with me. So say you're not at your home shop. Say you're visiting a new shop and you're in the mood to be a little wild. You're on the hunt and you walk into a, a humidor, how do you appro- approach that? I look for what I know first. Um, as we've mentioned a thousand times, the Tennessee Waltz is my go-to cigar. If I'm in a shop in Tennessee, I'm going to look for that. And then what I tend to do is look for the things around the things I know and just kind of get a, a lay of the land. I always try and take at least one lap just to kind of get a feel because everyone organizes it different. You know, I've been in some shops where they don't even organize by brand, which I don't understand. But, you know, just like the way that my car is set up, you're not going to necessarily be comfortable driving my car because it's very personal. It's very me. Every shop owner, they're going to set up their humidor however it makes sense to them. Right, and they even reorganize the humidors fairly often because the nature of a cigar shop is you've got to always be bringing new stuff in. Cigar guys, 
I would say less than 20% are what we label the monogamous cigar smoker. The yeah, person, that's about right. And uh, I just less than 20% are going to be the people that smoke the same cigar all the time. So they're always moving them around, and there's always new product coming out, and there's always product that they're having to clearance out because it don't sell as well, so they need to move it on out. And to me, that's the mark of a good cigar lounge. I was in a cigar lounge one time where it seemed like they didn't understand the concept of clearance rack cigars. Well, I, I think you can go two ways on that. You know, I've talked before about that cigar shop in Albuquerque, and you'd think now that I've mentioned it on three episodes, I would have looked up the name of the dang place by now. Um, but they had some old gems in there. It was stuff. It was stuff that had been discontinued for two years. But great cigars, and and now they've got age on them. And there's something about that that I like too. Uh, you know, so it's. But definitely, it's not a grocery store, right? Everyone knows, or at least a lot of people know, the grocery store. The stuff you see on the end caps is not because it's popular or on special. It's because whoever owns that product paid a crap load of money for the prime real estate. And that's how that industry works. You just pay to play. Humidors aren't like that. It's all about what moves, what's popular, which rep the owner likes the most. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Well, and it's also, you know, there's security factors that you have to take into account. You know, they're going to naturally point the cameras at the Padron section just to avoid inventory loss. Right. So you're, you kind of have all of these factors contributing to it. So... When I'm going in and I'm feeling adventurous, my first thing I'm always going to think about is how long am I going to smoke this cigar? And that's going to determine the size cigar I'm looking for. That's what I've, the mental headspace I've got to get into. What about you? Well, I do that because, you know, sometimes you've got all day, sometimes you're waiting for someone to get out of a movie or whatever it is. You know, unlike you, I tend to have two, sometimes three cigars a night, depending on what kind of night it is. So I'll... I really kind of look at price point more than more than I do size, at least to begin with. You know, if it's going to be one of those nights where I'm going to be here for a while, I don't have anywhere to go, I'm going to look at price point first. I'm going to smoke. My first cigar is always going to be a little bit nicer. I'm going to go for a, you know, $10 to $12 cigar, Tennessee Waltz or the Jaime Garcia. Um, but then, because I know that my second cigar is never going to live up on a, you know, on a cloudy palate, so I'm not going to want to spend as much money on it. Now, do you have any techniques between cigars for cleansing your palate? Do you have a certain amount of time you wait? Do you have a certain drink that you tend to partake of? You know, in I um, used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I try and give it at least fifteen minutes between cigars. I know a lot of people say forty-five minutes, and that's fine. But I get bored uh, <laughs> just sitting there waiting, staring at this beautiful cigar. It's not cut. It's not lit. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? Um, I'm not a big fan of food between cigars. I don't think it does much for the food to eat af- directly after a cigar, and I definitely don't think it does much for a cigar to, you know, right after a Wendy's double cheeseburger. You know, I, I just, but, you know, just something, just giving your palate a, a rest enough to cool off. You know, you've got to think, you're drawing, you're drawing fire into your mouth every time you smoke. So even if it's a light, lighter cigar, your, your palate needs a chance to cool off. Well, in another industry thing, one of the things they do in factories when they're blending is in between cigars, they drink unsweet tea kind of as a palate cleanser to set the palate up. I've never tried that because I'm not a big fan of unsweet tea. It's just to me a little bitter. 
So, um, but that's what the, that's the traditional method is just a good, strong, unsweet tea to cleanse the palate between cigars. See, and I do like unsweet tea, but the problem is you can't find it anywhere down here. I mean, we're in the South. It's either sweet tea or nothing. Yeah, we're in, we're in the South. You don't have to ask for sweet tea. You ask for tea and it's going to be sweet. Right, exactly. If you want unsweet tea in the South, you better say unsweet tea before you get started. And get ready for a look. Yeah, yeah, you're not from around here, are you, son? <laughs> but, so, moving through that, now, about the only time I'll smoke more than one cigar a night is when I'm having a day, you know, some days Glenda and I are just going to spend sitting on the porch together, and we're going to be Netflixing, we're going to watch a whole Netflix series or something like that, and we're going to sit out there, and I may have a couple of cigars during that time. But generally, I wait 15 to 20 minutes at least between cigars, sometimes up to an hour. Um, sometimes I take a nap. You know, those are great <laughs> days. I need to have more of those You need to days. have more of those. Yeah, I need, to sp- I need to spend more time just Netflix and smoke. Well, you know, the, uh, the thing about now that you've got a puppy is that if it's quiet enough for you to take a nap, you should probably be worried. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, if you're listening, Ace, take that out of your mouth. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm sure you've got something in your mouth right now you shouldn't have. So take it out of your mouth. You have toys. <laughs> but that's and Ace is his name, and I'll named of course after Batman's dog. Batman's dog's name is Ace. So that that's an important factor in life. <laughs> but and I, and okay, that's another thing. I hate when people give dogs human names. And I'll Oscar. But <laughs> I was about to say, I exclusively give my pets human names. But it's always famous people. So I've got Oscar Wilde. I used to have Paul Newman. My, uh, my aunt and uncle have Gary Cooper. Yeah. So there, there's a long line of famous puppies through my family. Well, I, just, I don't give dogs human names. My dogs always have dog names. But it's just really funny to be standing on a street corner going, George, don't pee on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a good way to impress the neighbors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get your ace over here. <laughs> Those sort of things happen a lot around my house. But moving back into cigars, so a little industry news. Just seen today, Camacho is releasing a barrel-aged Nicaraguan. I can't wait. Now, what's your take on barrel-aged cigars? I love them. I'm a huge fan. The Camacho Barrel Age that they recently released, I love. Um, I've got to break down and order some of the Drew Estate Pappy Van Winkles. I'm actually, that's actually a cigar I'm scared that I'm either going to like too much or not going to like enough. I'm always frightened on the, the Pappies because the, the only way to get them is to order them through Pappy Van Winkle. Oh, is that right? Um, Some cigar shops have them, but generally when they have them, they're gone, you know, the next day after they get there. So you got to be right on top of it. But a Nicaraguan barrel-aged cigar, and basically what what we're talking about when we're talking about a barrel-aged cigar is I'm talking about a cigar that has been rolled, prepared, and instead of putting into a pilon and set on the shelf is actually put into a whiskey barrel and takes on some of the characteristics of what was in that barrel. And what they're doing with this one is they're actually using that uh, Nicaraguan Corojo leaf, which is one of my favorites that they make anyway. And they're actually using Kentucky bourbon barrels. Another new cigar that's just out, I've had two of them, is the Avo Ritmo. 
It has six different kinds of Brazilian tobacco in it. I've smoked two, and I'm not sure if I like it or not. I have to smoke this third one and really figure out if I'm going to like that cigar or not. It's um, six tobaccos is almost too much. Yeah. Now, those are six different primings, or are they six different regions? Or It's six different regions oh, in wow. Brazil which I didn't know there were six regions in Brazil. I've always just heard of Brazilian tobacco and not. Right. And all. And so it's a different um, it's a different experience. It really is. It's an experience everybody should have. You'll have to get you one and try it cuz you and I need to compare notes on that particular cigar. Yeah, I really love cigars when they push the envelope and do something a little unique and different like that. It doesn't always have to be, you know, dark fire tobacco. It doesn't always have to be infusion, barrel aging, stuff like that. Sometimes you can get really creative with the blend itself. And that sounds like something that I'd be really interested to, to try. And if you've smoked the Ritmo and you're listening out there, please go to facebook.com slash the cigar cast, the cigar cast, and post a comment. I want to know what you thought about it. I don't know. Um, I, like I said, it's a confusing cigar for me. I can't just sit here and say, this is the cigar I like. But I think we need to cover a cigar under $8. Let's do it. And I kind of teased it earlier. Let's talk about the Charter Oak. Uh, We both smoked one of these, or I smoked one last night. You're kind of in the middle of one. Uh, It's, I was amazed when I was talking to Austin about it, that the price point for the larger of the two is six and a half. And I think it's five bucks for the little Corona, I think it is. It's just, it's just a good, it's, it's Connecticut Broadleaf. And I felt like there was so much flavor in that cigar. It reminded me a lot of when I first had the A.J. Fernandez New World. You know, I don't think you can beat the A.J. Fernandez New World as far as uh, quality for, for price. I just don't think you can. Well, and one thing that makes this a really unique cigar under $8 is this is a boutique cigar under $8. Mm-hmm. This is from Foundation. So this is a... A, and usually a boutique cigar, I'm ready to pay 12 bucks. I don't usually see many boutiques under $8. Right. But this one, I think it in every way parallels the New World. You know, it's not the same cigar. It doesn't taste the same or even really that similar. But you get everything you want out of a cigar without having to pay for it necessarily. And just me being me, the fact that it's not a box press gives it a leg up over the New World. Well, and this is funny. The cigar under $8 has become one of these segments in the show that I'm really glad we have because it opened up La Aurora to me. I had never smoked La Aurora's until we profiled that La Aurora. Um, I believe it was a Colorado mm-hmm. we, we profiled that was under $8. And I smoked two of them last week, and they're just amazing. I mean... Well, and a cigar under $8 is a great way to get into a new brand that you've never tried before. Like... The Illusione Rothschild was the first one out of that line that I ever had, and it opened the door to some of my favorite cigars, like the 88 and the MJ-12, which are staples in my humidor now, all because of that little $5 cigar. Yeah, the um, the El Gigante. That's one of my favorite, or it's just the Gigante. Pardon me, that's my wrestling knowledge showing through. There was a wrestler, a uh, 7 foot 11 inch tall wrestler named El Gigante. <laughs> and all creative naming, I know. But just a, um, the Gigante is one of those cigars that I would have never probably grabbed if it had been a 13 or $14 cigar. 
And because it is priced so reasonably, I went straight to it. But this week, let's tell everybody, try the Charter Oak. Absolutely. And it should be hitting your shelves. It, it's going to be really popular. I know I've heard of a lot of people bringing it in. So it should be hitting your local brick and mortar soon if it hasn't already. It's definitely worth the couple of bucks that you're going to drop on it. Well, I think that about wraps us up for tonight. I'm about ready to, I've interrupted my regularly scheduled cigar with this Kentucky Fire Cured-esque Mazio from Miami Cigars, and I'm about ready to just sit down and enjoy a cigar. Well, until next week, you can always reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at TheCigarCast, Facebook.com slash TheCigarCast, and of course, there's always good old-fashioned email, info at TheCigarCast.com. We will see you all next week, same bat time, same bat channel.